Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another edition of Bring on the Podcasts. As always, I'm your host, Luke Thompson. And wow, what a crazy weekend of sports. I'm coming down off the high of the Chiefs win right now. And JT, I know you enjoyed that 49ers win yesterday. Yeah, it was, How you doing? it was pretty great. Pretty great. Yeah. And of course, some big Kansas State basketball games that we can talk about here in a second. But we're going to look ahead also later in this podcast to Kansas State's game against Ole Miss and the SEC Big 12 Challenge. So... We brought on to join us from Red Cup Billion, Justin Lewis. Justin, how you doing? Man, I'm good. I'm uh, I'm glad that you guys have asked me to come on and talk about our terrible basketball team. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, we would have said the same thing about K-State two weeks ago. And now, you know, things are a little more positive. But uh, JT, let's maybe just talk about that game first. I mean, Kansas State probably should have beat Kansas. I think Bill Self said Kansas State should have beat Kansas. and then the second half, things kind of fell apart and wasted a, a monumental performance from Nigel Pack. But, you know, what was it like to be in Bramlage on Saturday? Well, it was it was crazy right up. I mean, right up through the end. It's the second game in as many weeks here that the Cats have blown a double-digit second-half victory. Clearly, you can hear I'm, I'm kind of froggy still from the game, yelling and getting upset at, at things. But... Uh, it was a great crowd, great energy in the building. The Cats fed off it early. And just KU's, obviously, they're a great team. And Bill Self is a great coach. And they never gave up. You know, they got down and they, you know, you knew it was going to be close no matter what happened. So, you know, credit to them for coming back. But, and our guys, Bruce Weber, they've got to figure something out. They can't keep giving up huge leads like that at the end of games, especially if Bruce wants to keep his job. Yeah, well, it was kind of disappointing, though, because the last two games they'd finished so well against Texas Tech and Texas, and, you know, you thought maybe they'd turned a corner. And, you know, like you said, KU's a good team, and they, and they had some extra motivation with the death of Bill Self Sr. this week. You know, condolences to the family. But oh. Kansas State just uh, really let that one slip away, it felt like. And yeah, certainly, you know, a familiar scenario there, and, and it doesn't get any easier going to Baylor uh, this week. I think it's a yeah. Tuesday game. So, well, you know, we went into these four games here thinking, you know, 0 and 4 was probably what was going to happen. And we get the, the two wins over Tech and, and Texas and feeling pretty good. And I, you know, and come out early against KU. But we're still ahead of where, where we thought we'd be this time, you know, this time last week or even, you know, a week yeah. and a half ago. So, still in a pretty good spot. But, well, yeah, like the game in Baylor is going to be real tough. I and just hope they can survive and keep their heads up to 
make it through to get to Ole Miss here a week from now. Yeah, and you know, I think one of the big things is, you know, last thing on this game is, like Bruce said after the game, like the bigs just have to be better. Like Kansas State's relying so much on the guards, and the bigs aren't doing a lot. And um, you know, we'll talk about this later. Mississippi, it seems like, has some some bigs that are starting to play well for them, but you know, Kansas State's got to find a way to get some more production, or at least not have those guys be a liability inside. Yeah, um, Bradford played okay at times until he fouled out. Casey Zaga was essentially a non-factor. I, I still like Carlton Lingard. I, I think he's progressing and getting there, but he's not ready to be a starter yet or to play starters minutes at the five, but he could get there, but we'll see. It's yeah. We, we're going to have one of them step up. Yeah. And then on the other side, we got to talk about today, uh, Sunday, Kansas state's probably the most dominant big in America on the women's side, Aoka Lee, Went for 61 points, and I don't think anyone has ever made 61 points look so easy. Yeah, it was absurd. I mean, one of the most ridiculously athletic things I've ever witnessed, and it it looked almost pedestrian. I mean, she was just so clinical, so workman, you know, just getting everything right at the bucket, putting everything in, you know, it didn't matter. They were throwing double and triple teams at her. She was just scoring right over them. Like Eric, you know, Eric Rubottom, our contributor, he he's mentioned in the group chat that you no, know, it was just it was like practice yeah. for her. It wasn't I mean uh, you know, you'd see that kind of performance at a practice, not in the game, and and it was insane. Yeah. <laughs> I just it was insane. Yeah. And you know, she did it against the number four team and the team team in the country. It's not like she was facing some nobodies. Right. I, I mean, <laughs> just seemed to break their spirit, honestly. Yeah, earlier this year, she scored more points than Central Arkansas in a win, but that's Central Arkansas, not number 14, Oklahoma, who she almost outscored by herself. I mean, I think it was even at 61, right? And that's probably when they took her out. Yeah, it's when she came out. She scored 61. It was, Mm -hmm. I know you had 61. They ended up with 65, but, you know, it wasn't, (laughs) it was just insane. If you'd have left her in, she might have scored 70. So... Yeah. I mean, just the way it was going at that point. But you know, yeah. Mitty was, was nice enough to pull her once she got the record and yeah. let OU have at least some semblance of uh, of respect there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think you got to give some credit to her teammates as well. I think it was uh, you retweeted a set where like all but two of her buckets were on assists and probably the other two were offensive rebounds. But, you know, she's obviously doing a lot of work to get herself in position and then making the shots, but her teammates are feeding her the ball, and they did a great job of that today. Yeah, Serena Sundell's been great at getting her the ball, and they work that outside in game so well. They'll pass around and around the perimeter until Lee can work her magic to get open enough to get the ball and, and score. And so, yeah, it's a team effort. Like those 61 points weren't just her, but, you know, it, it feels like it, and, you know, it's great. But yeah, it was, I don't have the stats in front of me, but. Jalen Glenn, I think, had a 11 rebounds by herself. You know, Yoki only had a dozen. I think she had like seven assists too. And Serena Sandel had like eight. I mean, they were just, they were feeding her and she was scoring. And that's what you want. So great team win, even with the, with the record setting performance. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And quick look at the stats here. Yeah. Like you said, 12 rebounds for Oakley. Of course, she had three blocks too on the defensive end, which I did her average. Eight assists for Serena Sandel, 
seven for Jalen Glenn. You know, Lee was 23 at 30 from the field and 15 to 17 from the free throw line, which is something I, I think you can't overlook. Like how many bigs can shoot 15 to 17 from the free throw line? That's pretty incredible. So, I mean, you watch this Kansas State team do that and just kind of obliterate, you know, a pretty good Oklahoma team. I mean, if Lee is, is on her game like that, is there anybody this team, this Kansas State team can't beat? Somebody else with a dominant five. Yeah. South Carolina's got a, a girl that's it's about as good. You know what Iowa State did and what Texas Tech did was they just threw bodies at her. Mm-hmm. They I mean they, they had three or four girls that were close enough and they just they just rode her and wore her down all game. OU just does not have a five like that. That I mean they they play a what they call positionless ball and where it's it's really more of you know forwards and guards and they don't really have a big big to throw at her KU even I mean they had a girl they had one that was close and managed to you know she managed to do pretty well by herself until she fouled out here at the end of the game so I mean really it's got to be defense by committee on her if you've got the bodies you can you know neutralize her to, to some extent or at least wear her down but if you're small at all then she's just going to destroy you Right. And then, you know, the other result today was Baylor beat the crap out of Iowa State. So Kansas State moved into a three-way tie for first place coming up at Texas. So that that team's going to be fun to follow going forward for sure. Yeah, this will probably, I would assume this will get him back in the rankings. You know, a big win like that over OU plus Mm -hmm. the record-breaking performance. That's going to put her, put K-State on, should put K-State squarely in the voters' consciousness finally. (laughs) <laughs> get them get them a decent ranking i you know they got ranked a couple weeks ago and then lost two games and fell back out but i mean their their record and their strength schedule and stuff it they should really be up around baylor and texas in the rankings regardless of that two-game losing streak and the fact that they aren't is just absurd so yeah uh you know they, they're a top 20 team they're just not getting the ranking for it yeah. Like yeah, this hopefully. really shouldn't have been an upset. Like <laughs> right. K-State is better than Oklahoma. This shouldn't have been an upset, but it looks like it because the Cats can't get any respect. Right. And kudos to the students today as well, because it looked like a pretty full student section. So yeah, that the was students the students want to see winners, you know, <laughs> they want to see some winning <laughs> basketball there. What better way than show up for this women's team? They're great. Yeah, that's right. Because unfortunately Still not seeing a ton of wins with the men. They're they're down at the bottom of the conference, tied with Oklahoma and Iowa State. But I think Kansas State right now is the only NCAA eligible team that is not really on the bubble. And, you know, before that KU game, I think I saw them in, in Lunardi's next four out or or like second four out or something. Anyway, they're, they're, you know, they're right. getting and I don't you know, think they'll conversation. Move, so. I don't think they'll move a whole lot with this loss. I mean, KU's top 10. So it's yeah. not like they're just going to tumble. It's not like losing at home to TCU. You know, that, that took a pretty good tumble, but you know, losing at home to, to KU, you're going to get some pretty good benefit on that. <laughs> Same thing with Baylor. Like these two games shouldn't make them tumble too far. Yeah. That's um, probably true. And then, we'll get yeah, to it. Against Baylor and then, yeah. Then Mississippi on Saturday is going to be one of those games. Probably they can't afford to lose. Honestly. You know, right. Even though it is on the road, we got a Mississippi team that is struggling. We're going to let Justin tell us about that here. 
in a second. First, I want to say just my annual complaint about the SEC Big Challenge. I love the concept of it. I love that it happens, but I hate that it's in the middle of conference play. Yeah, just, it should I be wish, like, a, should like a in December, Christmas yeah. special or something. Like everybody plays like the day <laughs> after Christmas or something, or right in there. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. Do the old Miss coaching staff ever have anything to say about that? Does Kermit Davis have any thoughts on the SEC Big Twelve Challenge? I don't, I don't know if Kermit has any thoughts on it, but I, yeah. I, I kind of stand with y'all. I don't I don't see the point of it being thrown in the middle of a conference schedule like that. Yeah, yeah. So Ole Miss came into the season; they were you know ninth in the SEC preseason polls. Not like huge expectations, but you know probably it was a little disappointing in non-conference that they had lost to Boise and Western Kentucky and Samford. Um, their one big win over Memphis has. It doesn't look so much like a big win anymore with the way Memphis has been playing. Um, and now they've started one and five in conference play. You know, how, how are Ole Miss fans feeling? You know, how does this compare to you know, expectations that they've been doing? I'm going to curveball you real quick because you asked about, is there a team that can handle Ioka Lee? And the Ole Miss women's oh. team has Shakira okay. Austin, who's a six okay. five center who is dominating <laughs> SEC play right now. And we're in the same boat as y'all are where we upset – number 23 Kentucky on the road today, but we shouldn't be, mm-hmm. that shouldn't be an upset. We're 16 and two. They're nine and six, oh, now wow. nine and seven. We've only lost to Tennessee and then the first game of our season. So this women's team's off to their best start since 2007, the last time they made the tournament. They'll be ranked this week and they're legit. Uh, oh, they got to play at okay. South Carolina this week. Yeah, so we'll, that should we'll be a good game. Legit. Yeah, we'll know how legit <laughs> after that game. But compared yeah. to what they have been and the roster pieces that they have, they're going to advance at least one round in the tournament, if not two. But I'd put Shakira up against your girl, and at least for a tough matchup. She may get dominated by mm-hmm. her, but Shakira is going to the WNBA next year. Okay, so that's the Big Twelve SEC ch- challenge matchup we really need to see. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I don't want to see. All right, so let's just talk about the boys, okay? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So when when you don't recruit a point guard, I don't know how you expect to win in college basketball, and that's what Memphis and Penny Hardaway are looking at right now, and that's what uh, Ole Miss is looking at too. Jarkel Joiner, uh, while he's a, a great scoring guard, he's not a primary ball handler. You know, the expectations were low as far as the outsiders, but I think within the program and, and Ole Miss fans. You looked up and down that roster. You had the uh, breakfield transfer from Duke. You've got Matthew Morrell in her sophomore year, who was the highest rated recruit in school history. And then you've got uh, Deshaun Ruffin, who is the only McDonald's All-American in school history, all on this roster at the same time with the addition of Nasir Brooks, like a 17th-year player in the NCAA who just <laughs> been here forever. He's a, a tower, just long, plays like 38 minutes a game. Duke yeah. gets no rest because Kermit didn't recruit a backup. Yeah, uh, in the Big 12, we call that a Perry Ellis. Yeah, yeah, Perry no. Ellis. Is, he's still there, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's – Ole Miss is going to play defense, and it's going to be really hard to score uh, Ole Miss uh, at times. They run a 1-3-1 that morphs into a 2-3 when he gets uh, below the free throw line, something similar to what Annie Kennedy ran during his time there. The problem with Ole Miss is – Kermit Davis seems to be forcing the system of offense that he loves on a roster that can't do it. He doesn't have the pieces to run what he wants to run. And it just, their offense gets so bogged down and can't do anything. And then you got guys like Austin Crowley and Luis Rodriguez who really don't offer you as much as you'd like. And then you're relying on, now Matthew Morrell can go scorched earth and put 40 on you, 
his shot is smooth. He's going to be a probably a second round pick one day in the NBA. And Deshaun Ruffin is going to play like a freshman at times, but he's also going to show you why he was an All American. But outside of those two guys, if if any team just takes those two away, it's going to be a long night for the Ribs. Okay, yeah. So it seems like I mean the offense has been an issue all season, but I mean I got to ask you, talk about defense. They've let teams shoot fifty percent last four games. I mean you let a Missouri team that is not exactly dynamic offensively shoot sixty two percent. So have there been some some issues there lately? Yeah. So are you familiar with like the concept of uh, like your mind blocking out bad things? You know, that Auburn game, there was some some promising stuff that you saw. You know, you had a chance to win it on the road at Auburn, but they've got Jabari Smith, who's should be the number one pick in the NBA draft. The kid's a freak. You could argue that you should have beat Tennessee as well, but then, you know, we get to these last four games that you're mentioning, and I think teams have just figured out the defense. They've seen it. They know, you know, where they can get the shots and where they can come from, and I think he's just got guys on the floor that – Shouldn't be on the floor. Like Austin Crowley shouldn't play a lot of minutes. Breakfield is not a defensive specialist. You know, Brooks, if you if you go five out, he's not going to do anything for you out there. Ruffin's so tiny. Morell's not a defensive player. So like while you run a good zone, you can catch Ole Miss and and transition and catch Ole Miss in a man to man and get get whatever you want out of it. Mm-hmm. I gotta be honest though, JT, I hear the word zone and I cringe a little bit. You know, some Bruce Weber teams have not necessarily done great in the past. Although, you know, they have had their moments. There's been some games against Baylor in the old zone they used to play. But um, And, you know, they get five days to prepare. Do you think this team is better suited maybe to, to face the zone with the better shooters? Yeah. It depends on, on what they can get out of the middle. But uh, mm-hmm. there's something weird about, about that, that zone that Bill Self runs versus – zone that most other teams run like the one that the Baylor sure. used, uh, likes to run I, I I'm not enough of a basketball junkie to know to be able to tell you the difference but uh, I hear a lot of guys call it junk defense or junk zone and and it, there's just something about that KU zone and I, I don't think it you know like I know Bruce has struggled at times with his own but I it seems like it's mostly KU zone with whatever Bill self is doing and not with just a traditional zone look mm-hmm. so i don't know if kermit's that uh creative with his defense <laughs> but i don't think many are but i feel a bit more confident against a traditional zone than mm-hmm. if that's the case yeah and yeah funny. i mean having the fair for a zone that that old miss plays all the time so it should help so right and and you yeah the, the shooters having the shooters really helps uh you know Marquis Noel can go off if he needs to or at least create some plays I mean we saw Nigel Pack go off for a career game and he's got a great shooting stroke so you know if one of those guys can start making some shots and and pull some guys out of the paint then maybe it opens some things up and and yeah. uh yeah. starts to break break down the zone a little better yeah yeah but I mean speaking of shooters you know one thing for Ole Miss is that they've seemed to be shooting the recently I think in conference they're about 37 percent of course that means their two-point percentage is pretty terrible given that they're still only about 42 percent overall but you know are, are they starting to shoot better from the outside and, and is that helping them at all uh, I mean yeah I, I think what's happened is that Hope, I'm, I'm hoping this is what happens that Kermit Davis has realized that his offense is going to live and die with uh, Matthew Morrell and Ruffin. 
and it mm-hmm. seems that they're running more sets from a rail to get some shots because he's the only one that can really create for himself. He's got the best stroke on the team as well. So it seems like he's made that adjustment to use him more. So I think that's helped some. And then there's just been some outliers, like Crowley's had some good performances randomly. Rodriguez can, you know, mm-hmm. knock down three in a day. Breakfield can get hot in a game, but none of them are consistent. Morel's like the only one that you trust to be consistent. So I wouldn't, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that anything you've seen recently is a sign of things improving. I think this is really just not that great of a basketball team because mm-hmm. I think more so the coach and the roster construction more so than the players that are on it. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, you mentioned Ruffin being the guy was All-American and he was out for a little bit with a broken hand. You know, he came back, you know, are they a different team with him in or are they a much better team or kind of, you know, what's, what was the impact of him going out and coming back in the lineup? Yeah, they're they're a better team with him in for sure because he's a true point guard, but he can also put the ball in the bucket. Jordan wasn't turning the ball over. He was doing the job that you'd want out of a lead guard. He just doesn't see the floor and get them into the sets the way that uh, a true point guard should. And Ruffin, like I said, he's a freshman, so he's going to make some freshman mistakes, but he brings this spark to the offense, and the guys kind of play better when he's on the floor. You just got to sometimes just live with the bad. Mm-hmm. And then – and you heard us talking about Kansas State, the post players are kind of the weakness. And really, in particular, the, the kind of guys that K-State has struggled with are the big, strong post players who kind of just muscle people out of the way and, and live in the paint. You know, are Niger Brooks or, or Jamin Brakefield the type of guys that could take advantage of that? Uh, Brooks is. Brakefield's not. Brakefield wants to just mm-hmm. either shoot threes or take it off the drive. Um, okay. Now, Brooks, they'll put him back to the basket. And he's, you know, like seven one, so he gets these hook shots and he's had his moments. He's carried us scoring the ball as well. So if, if that is a weakness of y'all's, I, I would imagine or hope that Kermit uh, looks to exploit that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see. Okay. And we're going to take a quick commercial break, hear from our sponsors, and we're back. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, what K-State does after Nigel Pack had, you know, the game of his life on Saturday, 35 points. But, you know, JT, we talked about Sutton Miguel had been struggling offensively. He um, obviously was better Saturday when he attacked the basket. When he settled for threes, it was a problem. And I I don't know how Kansas State ends up with Sutton Miguel shooting a contested three at the end of the shot clock. It just feels like that should never happen. But I don't know. I mean, how would you defend him? Like, if you were a defense, would you just sag off at this point? I would. And we saw that quite a bit from KU. Mm-hmm. On the stretch, I mean, there was that one shot where, like, I mean, he got the ball and took a <laughs> dribble and sat there and then took a three and still missed it. Well, that's and, one of those where, like, as soon as you take a dribble, like, uh, you're thinking too much. You gotta miss yeah, it. like it. I mean, they were they had zero respect for his outside shot. And, and right now, I wouldn't either. I mean, he's seven for 30 on the season. <laughs> and he hasn't made a, a three-point basket this year. So in 2022, he has yet to make a, a three-point basket on a dozen attempts. So it's, you know, you would hope that at some point he starts to heat back up, but I wouldn't put any money on it. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, at least he can play defense. Yeah, he plays great defense. Yeah. And that's really his, his saving grace is he plays great defense. And he's athletic enough to make baskets off the dribble or at least get to the basket. And cause some havoc. Yeah. 
And they mentioned on the broadcast too, like not only can play your defense, but he can guard almost any position. So he allows K State to kind of switch up its lineups a little bit, and that helps too. But yeah, so he's kind of you know the exemplar of the Kansas State hard nosed defense that the Bruce Weber is going to bring that man to man. You know, Justin, what's going to happen when K State puts that kind of pressure on the Ole Miss guards? If you want to see what happens, go watch the final like six minutes of the Tennessee game. Mm-hmm. And you'll have all your answers. We will put it directly in your hands and let you go down there and shoot all the layups you want. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, that would be nice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, let's maybe zoom out for a second. You know, big picture. Uh, after the, the way that K-State lost to Kansas, the fire Bruce crowd comes back at, at full steam, which – you know, can't necessarily blame them. It was it was pretty rough, and you know this team is still two and five, even if they are better than that record indicates. Justin Kermit's in his fourth year. I think he made an NCAA tournament his first year, but hasn't been back since. You know how hot is his seat right now? Well, here's what's crazy. You know, is we think the seat should be hot, but he just signed a four year extension at the beginning of this season, and we're all baffled by that decision. Now here, uh, the way it works in the state of Mississippi, a state employee cannot sign a contract longer than four years. Um, so essentially all they did was add a year on. They're just doing a one-year extension every year, but it, they release it as a four-year extension to the contract. They do the same thing with Lane Kiffin in football. It's just a little bit of a raise with another year tacked on. And and I don't – when I look at college basketball and I, or even college football for that matter, when you look at somebody's first year and the results that they had out of it, well, they did that with somebody else's players. So that was Andy Kennedy's <laughs> roster that he did that with. So I'm looking more at what he's done starting really last year and this year. And it's clear that he's able to recruit. When you pull in Matthew Morrell and Deshaun Ruffin, two of your best recruits in school history, but it's be also yeah. becoming clear that he can't really coach at the high level that they thought he could when he was beating teams at Middle Tennessee State. I guess playing in a, at a, a Power 5 conference is really a different animal, and he has been a little slow to adjust. I, I would guess they give him one more year, but if they see somebody that maybe becomes available that they want to go after, I could see them doing that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny you talk about, you know, first year playing with other coaches players because that's certainly always a big point of debate with Bruce Weber. He won a Big 12 championship his first year, but, uh, you know, a lot of people like to not give him any credit for that and say that it was Frank Martin's players. And I think there's there's some merit to that, but, you know, he, he won that. And he also, you know, did come back and win a second one too. Yeah. A long time ago. So it's getting a little rough. At the same time, JT, I mean, Let's say Kansas State had you know, held on to that big halftime lead and beat KU by double digits. Like, would Gene Taylor have given Bruce an extension? That <laughs> might have earned him. Seriously, it might have earned him at least a like an announcement of a you know that they were working on a contract yeah. extension so he could right. recruiting. Because right now he's got. I mean, I think this is the last year of his contract, essentially. Or mm-hmm. or maybe there's one year left. Either way, it's it's pretty tight right now. So. Yeah, it, there would have been some sort of announcement that Bruce might be here longer than this year. But you pretty much, at this point, I think the only other game that would do that would be the win in, you know, the game at Allen Fieldhouse. Right. Maybe this the upcoming game against Baylor in Waco, if you could pull that out. But it's still not quite the same. K-State fans don't care quite the same way about it. 
as they do about that about that game against KU. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and Justin, you know, like you said, you do have some good young guys. You know, do you think it's possible that Dermot turns it around? At least, maybe not this year, but coming years. Well, the life of an Ole Miss fan is here in about a week or so, Kermit's going to go on some run with this team to give us all hope to believe <laughs> that there's something there. I mean, he may even win a game in the SEC tournament and then do something in the NIT, and everybody's going to be like, oh, maybe he can do it. And then they'll just come back and do the same thing. I wouldn't be shocked if he rattled off a few wins because of how good their defense can be. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it's going to be like last year where they were one of the first teams out of the tournament. Uh, I think it's going to be pretty – Firmly, we're going to be in the NIT if we're lucky. I think the talent that he has with his guards, you know, they're not looking to go to the NBA next year. And in college basketball, those teams that kind of have the experience of playing together for three or four years, they tend to be the ones that are harder to beat. So I think maybe if you give him another year or two, he could make the tournament again. But I'm not right now, like, thrilled about that idea. I'd rather – go make a splashy hire, which there's some people on some Ole Miss boards saying, let's just screw it and go get Patino away from Iona. So I don't know if you want to go that route. But <laughs> I, I'd, I'd be interested. That, that name's been bandied about on some K-State boards too, I think. <laughs> Even at 100 years That's old, it. he's probably still a hot name in a lot of circles. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's funny. Uh, yeah, and, and Ole Miss, you know, you talk about rattling off games – they got a busy week ahead of them. Uh, they get Florida on Monday in what I believe is a rescheduled game. And then they get Arkansas and K-State. And all those are at home. But, you know, it kind of makes you wonder. We saw Kansas State possibly take advantage of a Texas Tech team that had, you know, was at the end of a streak of a lot of games and not too many days. You know, how's the depth of this Ole Miss team? Do you think that playing that many games will wear on them at all? Well, Kermit swears by this is the deepest team that he's ever had. So I think as far as it being three-game week, I think they will be fine. Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, you know, being at home, you're not on the road, you're not doing any travel whatsoever, I think they will be okay. Now, if we were, you know, going to Gainesville, turn around, having to fly back, and then turn around and go to Arkansas and then have one, I think that's a little bit different. Uh, but three home games, I think they will be okay. Now, they could very well go 0-3 this week, and it had nothing to do with the depth. But I think if we're looking at Saturday after playing two games, are we going to have tired legs or anything like that? I think I think not. I think they'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Well, and you've got – I mean, going back here another week and a half or so, I mean, you won't even have had to leave Mississippi, the state of Mississippi, for a game right. since, since what, going to, to Texas A&M a few weeks ago here. So, right. I mean, that's – yeah, I mean, it's really pretty favorable for, for playing a whole bunch of games in a row. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's about all I've got for, for the basketball. Uh, Justin, so we, this is the point, though, where we ask you to make a prediction. What do you see happening on Saturday? <laughs> oh, man. I've given up trying to figure out what's going to go on <laughs> with this team. But for the sake of you guys, I'll say it's going to be uh, you know, a lower scoring game, probably. I'll, I'll give it 59 to 56 K-State. Okay. That that actually sounds like a reasonable score for this team. Yeah. Now, I will tell you this. Here's a secret for you guys. When Ole Miss scores 80 in the Kermit Davis era, they almost never lose. They're like 24 and 3. So, if this turns (laughs) into a high-scoring game, it usually goes into Ole Miss's favor. But if it's down in the mud, Ole Miss can't score, 
they're probably going to lose. Yeah, I don't remember what happens when Bruce teams score eighty. So, yeah, it doesn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so we got an SEC guy on the podcast. So before we let you go, we got to ask you about uh, your thoughts on OU and Texas coming to the SEC. I don't care. Um, They're going to come here. They're going to come here and realize that they don't want to be here. That it's not as easy. It's not going to be easy. They're going to miss their easy ten win seasons that they were having. It's well, Texas has not been having easy ten win seasons. That's Let's true. Be clear on That's that. true. <laughs> it's been a while. It's just not going to be a cakewalk like it used to be, or what they thought it used to be. The fans are going to have to adjust to seven and eight win seasons on a regular basis. I think, and I think as far as the nil era goes, that it's massive because of the money that those two programs are going to bring in. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's going to assist in making the SEC even more of a monster when it comes to that part of it. I think it's potentially going to blow up college uh, athletics as it is. They're going to have to re-adjust yeah. something to level the playing field. So I'm just like, I'm not, I'm not afraid of them in any sports coming over. It's more of how is this going to reshape the landscape of college athletics? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. And I think it's going to be the biggest adjustment for Oklahoma fans because they have gotten used to a lot of conference titles, and I think they're going to have a hard time. Mm-hmm. And we, we will enjoy that over here in the Big 12. <laughs> I'm sure you yeah. will. <laughs> uh, uh, how is that going to work divisionally, do you think? Yeah, so we split them up? I think at this point you've got to readjust and go regionally because you've got Missouri in the east, which makes no sense. Yeah. Um, so I think you send Auburn and, and Alabama to the East, and then you just let all the ones that came from the big, big 12 to be over here in the West, or you kind of just don't go division and go uh, just one big conference. And I, I saw somebody pitch the idea that you have four divisions, four teams each mm-hmm. can do that. And I wouldn't be opposed to that, but I think you've got to, you've kind of have to go regionally at this point, just for the sake of your distance that you're going to be traveling now from like when Florida plays. Oklahoma, that's quite a bit for a volleyball game on a Tuesday night. I like there's mm-hmm. an NCAA rule that, like, once you break 12 teams, you have to split in divisions or something. Okay, there probably is. But uh, yeah, yeah, know, that's why the Big 12 has to split into divisions, right? Yeah. So, of going to, you know, like at 16 teams, you do four team pods, which would make mm-hmm. a lot of sense. It would just be a matter of which teams are in which pod at that point. Yeah. Yeah, I've even seen some people throw out the idea of three, four-team pods for the Big 12, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me, to be honest. But All right, so you guys are Big 12 guys. You know, I, I reside in the city of Memphis. I'm not a Memphis okay. Tigers fan by any means. Um, <laughs> why does the Big 12 not want Memphis? Uh, well, the Liberty Bowl is trash. It, it <laughs> <Yeah>. absolutely <laughs> is trash. I think, I think they were the fifth team. You know, if, if they were going to add any more, I think Memphis is going to be the next one called. But they don't have the, the same kind of profile mm-hmm. right now as Cincinnati, obviously, or even UCF. Obviously not BYU. I mean, it was – so you get Memphis or Houston. Houston just is a lot bigger, and, mm-hmm. and they've got better basketball right now. Football's looking a lot better. So I mean, it made a lot of sense. They picked four yeah. good teams instead of – Four markets, or four, you know, right. whatever. Mm-hmm. And here in the Big Twelve, we take a lot of pride in our basketball. I don't know if you've noticed. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, Memphis fans are going to be mad about that. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out. You know, I've always felt kind of bad for Ole Miss that they get stuck in that SEC West. I mean, it's just a brutal division. Very brutal. <laughs> But I appreciate uh, the work you guys do over on Red Cup Rebellion. Some good stuff there. So obviously people can read your stuff there. People can follow you on Twitter at J underscore Timberfake underscore. I appreciate that handle. It's nice. Anything else that (laughs) you want to plug here for us? Uh, I mean, if you're if you're big time basketball fans, I also work SB Nation Grizzly Bear Blues covering the Memphis Grizzlies, and I just got on at BasketballNews.com covering the NBA as a whole. Um, so basketball junkie, I'm also a coach, uh, at a high school. So there's, there's that too. I, uh, I breathe, live, eat that it's all hoops all the time (laughs) for me. So I appreciate you guys having me on and let me ramble about it. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. Thanks JT. Before we go, I will say I'm pretty excited to see the matchup of five, eight Marquise Noel and five, nine Deshaun Ruffin. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be fun. Small ball. I'm kind of excited for that. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. It will be fun. All right. Well, sounds good. Thanks, Justin. Thanks, JT. Yeah, appreciate it. Oh, yeah.